Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. The book of the Revelation is a book about Jesus Christ. We don't want to miss that. The book is a book of Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ. If you and I think of the Antichrist before we think of the Christ, we've missed the mark. The Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today we're introducing the first message in a series titled, You've Got Mail. Sometimes we get so preoccupied with the daily demands of life that we forget about the coming King. In this study of the book of Revelation, Philip will teach about the letters to the seven churches and how the imminent return of Christ should dramatically shape our perspective. Later, I'll tell you about a practical resource that's sure to be an encouragement to those who need it. Learn more online at ktt.org. Now, Here's Philip with a message called Back to the Future. God wants us as believers to always be going back to the future, to live in the light of the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ and to allow the imminence of that event to shape our lives and direct our decisions. When I was at school in Northern Ireland many moons ago, I loved it when the teacher passed out those books that had the answers in the back. Although the teacher told us that the answers were there to help us not to take the place of learning. Although it was good to know nevertheless that the answers could be found in the back of the book, especially if your homework got in the way of a good game of football that afternoon. That's soccer for the uneducated. (laughs) To be honest about it, I know that you would not believe this of me. I find myself more than often beginning with the answer at the back of the book and then tackling the question at the front. That may not be the best way to learn, but the Bible instructs us that it's a good way to live. When it comes to life, when it comes to living, God wants the Christian to turn to the back of the book. He wants us to live, to borrow Luther's words, this day for that day. God wants us always to be going back to the future. When it comes to the Bible, the back of the book is a panoramic prophecy of future events. Look at how John describes the book before us. Verse 3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. The book of the Revelation takes the wrapper off tomorrow. And it gives us a guided tour of the last days on planet Earth. The balance of the book is futuristic. It shows us the beginning of the end. In fact, let me reinforce that by taking you to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, because in this verse, John scopes out the book for us and divides the apocalypse into three sections, one past, one present, one future. Look at verse 19. Jesus says to John through the angel, write the things which you have seen and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The things which you have seen, we believe, refers 
to the vision of the once crucified, now glorified Lord Jesus. That's chapter one. The things which are denotes the royal letters from the risen Christ to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Now, when we come to look at those letters, we're going to see that the number seven speaks of completion, perfection. And we take from that that these seven churches are simply a sampling of the whole body of Christ. And this is letters to the church worldwide in John's day and in succeeding ages. John says he's also to write down those things which will take place after this. That speaks of the events of the end times that will bring about the end of the city of man and a more visible expression of the city of God in the millennial kingdom as Jesus reigns where'er the sun does its successive journeys run. That's chapters 4 through 22. The book of the Revelation in balance is all about the future. Ed Henson in his book, Approaching Armageddon, the commentary on Revelation, tells us that in chapter 1, we have the Christ. In chapters 2 and 3, we have the church. In chapters 4 through 22, we have the consummation. That's how you're to understand the book of the Revelation. He puts it another way. In chapters 1 through 3, we have the church age. In chapters 4 through 19, we have the tribulation period. In chapters 20, we have the kingdom age. And in chapter 21 and 22, we have indeed the eternal state. The book of Revelation will keep bringing us back to the future. And that's a good thing. In fact, we're told in chapter 1 and verse 3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. You and I have got to read, understand, and obey the book of the Revelation. It's not a book to be ignored. It's a book to be understood and undertaken. According to Jesus then, through John, life is best lived with the end in view. Christians must live life backwards, starting with the end. And that's important because some people have this idea, the more heavenly-minded you are, the less earthly use you are. But that's not true. The study of prophecy is not a form of daydreaming, but a dynamic force at work in the life of a believer, calling them to greater service, greater sacrifice, and greater steadfastness. As Christians, don't we believe that there's more to life than this one? And if that's the case, and the book of Revelation reinforces that, then this one is all the more important in the light of the next one. Listen to these words by C.S. Lewis, the writer of the Narnia Chronicles. He says this, Looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since, he says, Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. You want to take that to heart, brothers and sisters. Prophecy is not a narcotic. It is a stimulant 
to live fully and faithfully for Jesus Christ. We must always be going back to the future. Now, as we begin this series on the seven churches, I want to introduce the series by unpacking the opening paragraph or prologue to the book of the Revelation. These letters mustn't be studied in isolation. There's a context to them. The rest of the book, there's a background and there's a foreground to this correspondence between Christ and his church. On the one hand, you have the vision of a risen Christ among the churches. That forms the background, chapter 1. We find him among the candlesticks or the lampstands, which are pictures of the church. Then we have him reigning and returning among the nations in chapters 4 through 22. That forms the foreground. And both these visions call the church to get its act together. The Christ who is now hidden and mystically among the church through the ministry of the Holy Spirit will someday soon and suddenly be visible and physically among the nations with his church. That's the front end and the back end to these letters. Therefore, what's the implication? If you study this, these letters in their context, chapters 2 and 3 are sandwiched between the picture of Christ among the church and, 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 and among the nations. What's the implication? It's this. If they were to reign with Christ on a future day in the millennial kingdom, which is certainly what the book of Revelation holds out, as a possibility, chapter 19, verse 6, they must now and presently obey the words of the risen Christ. And his words to them again and again was to overcome the world and not to be overcome by the world. One of the signature notes that's sounded in these letters is that the Christians were called to overcome not be overcome. You'll find it in chapter 2, verse 7, verse 11, verse 17, verse 26 through 28, chapter 3, verse 5, verse 12, verse 21. It echoes something John had said earlier in one of his epistles, chapter 5 of his first letter and verse 4. What does he say? Overcome the world by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of the prologue to the book of the Revelation. The church of Jesus Christ on earth was to remain a colony of heaven amidst a world destined for hell. In a world gone wild, they were to live out the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were to do it because time was running out. The things that would usher in the end would shortly take place according to verse 1, and the time was near according to verse 3. Time was running out to go from good to great for Christ. Now, I'm going to break this prologue, an opening paragraph, into three ideas. If you were to look at chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3, I think you would find, and I hope to show you, the personality in this prophetic book, the proximity of this prophetic book and the profitability to this prophetic book. Jesus is the personality. The time is near, tells us this book's proximity. And we're called to read and keep it and we'll find a blessing. That's the book's profitability. 
But let's look at the personality of this prophetic book. The book of the Revelation is a book about Jesus Christ. We don't want to miss that. We don't want to mistake that. Look at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how the book ends. Jesus is the central figure in the chronicle of the unfolding of the end times. The revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That can be taken in two ways. It could mean either the revelation made by Jesus Christ, or it could be understood to speak of the revelation about Jesus Christ. And you say, Pastor, which is it? It's a good question. And the answer is yes. <laughs> the book is a book of Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ. And that means if you and I think of the Antichrist before we think of the Christ, we've missed the mark. If you and I think of the mark of the beast and not the wounds in Christ's hands as the lamb who had been slain, we've missed the mark. If you and I think about the one world government and not Christ sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high, we've missed the mark about the message of this book. It's about Christ, not the Antichrist. It's about God's rule, not the emergence of a one world government. Look at chapter 1 and verse 7. What do we read? Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Every eye. He will be center stage in the end times. He's not about to share the spotlight with another, not with Antichrist, not with the devil, not with the false prophet, not with kings and princes. Christ will share the spotlight with no one. When he comes and this book is fulfilled, every eye will be focused on him because he's the personality of this book. He is the overarching object and subject of this prophecy. In Revelation 1 through 3, Christ is seen as the exalted priest and king ministering to the church. In Revelation 4 through 5, he is seen as the once crucified, now glorified Lamb of God reigning on the throne and being worshipped by the church triumphant. In Revelation 6 through 18, Christ is the judge of all the earth. And the Damocles sword of God's righteous wrath falls upon a rebellious world. In Revelation 19, he returns as a conquering king of kings and sets up his kingdom, which is then swallowed up in the eternal state. It's all about Christ. That's why it's amazing, by the way, to read the words of Martin Luther, the reformer in 1522. Luther said this, my mind cannot use itself to the book, speaking of Revelation. And to me, the fact that Christ is neither taught nor recognized in it is good and sufficient cause for my low estimation. Wow, Martin, where have you been? The book of the Revelation is all about Christ. And somehow he missed it. In fact, to be fair to him, as time went by, he modified his view of the book, although to his dying day, he always doubted the book of the Revelation's canonicity, which is interesting. And yet today, many people still fail to see the centrality of Christ in this volume. Number one, because they simply don't read the book. They're scared off by its symbols and its signs. Or if they miss him, 
they miss them not because they don't read it, but because they do read it, but they become preoccupied with the identification of events and the sequence of the end times and the persons involved other than our Lord. Many seem to be more interested in the Antichrist than Jesus Christ. And that's a mistake because the book of the Revelation is not a curiosity shop for prophetic buffs. It's a cathedral for Christ worshipers where we're brought to see the Lord Jesus Christ and to some degree as we've never seen him before. Exalted. With feet as brass and eyes as fire. This is not the meek and lowly Jesus. This is the risen Lord walking among the candlesticks. Looking at us. He's asking himself questions about us. Are we constantly going back to the future and living in the light of his near return? Bearing this idea in mind, the centrality of Christ in the book of the Revelation, we will find a wonderful and edifying guide to interpreting the book. And I think, secondly, it will minimize fruitless debate over the complicated and controversial details. My brother-in-law and I called a truce about seven or eight years ago when it comes to debating the book of the Revelation. He's got one view, and I have another. And for the sake of uh, peace among our families, we decided we'll agree to disagree. But you know what? Maybe we should have spent more time talking about the Christ that unites us than the Antichrist and who he is and when he comes and what he does. In fact, let's go back to verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. We've established the personality of this prophetic book, and I'll reinforce it because it's right there at the beginning of the book. Jesus Christ is the cover story of the book of the Revelation. The book begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why our old King James, in describing this book, got it wrong. This is not the revelation of St. John the Divine. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In fact, the word revelation is the Greek word apocalypsis, from which we get our English word apocalypse. And it's a word that's used 18 times in the New Testament, 13 by Paul. Here it's used by John, and it carries the idea of something or someone that's uncovered. It speaks of an unveiling. It speaks of a disclosure. When used of something or someone, it speaks more than often of that which was hidden, but that's become visible. That's the idea here. The word simply meant unveiling. It was used of lifting a cover off a box, pulling back a curtain in the theater. The word meant opening up, or more dynamically, it meant breaking through. I like that last thought. Dynamically, this book is about Jesus Christ breaking through into history and tying all the threads together. In fact, sometimes when we think about the word apocalypse, we, we tend to think of dread and dragons and end time trumpets and, and the, the sky falling. 
But that's not how the early Christians would have understood the word apocalypse. It was more positive than that. It spoke of something being unveiled. The lid was being taken off something. And for them, the book of the Revelation, the apocalypse was about taking the lid off our understanding of Jesus Christ. The book of the Revelation, like no other book in the canon of Scripture, lifts the lid off Christ. This apocalypse is an unveiling from God about Christ to his servants by an angel through John. And what is the disclosure? We've already touched on that. Christ's present splendor. He's risen, seated, and by the Spirit, he's to be found among the church. Christ's present splendor, chapters 1 through 3, and Christ's future glory, chapter 4 through 22 as Christ sits until he has put all his enemies under his feet, then he will return and establish his kingdom. Listen, the purpose of this book is to help us see Jesus like we've never seen him before. Not as the lowly carpenter, but as the lofty and fearsome king. Revelation climbs to the pinnacle of redemptive history and the crowning moment when Christ appears, as we see in Revelation 19, as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Hey, Philip DeCourcy again. I hope you were encouraged by today's message and that it made you consider your need for Christ. If you're hearing today's message and you haven't yet accepted Jesus, as your Savior and Lord, you're in the right place at the right time. I believe it's no accident you came across this message today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you through the word of the gospel. He's calling you to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You'll never know when you'll feel this way again, and tomorrow isn't guaranteed. You need assurance of salvation, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Hear the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 5 and verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. What a wonderful promise from the lips of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear that invitation and accept that gift. Put your faith in Jesus Christ today and be assured that heaven is your home and God is your Father. And if you're ready to follow him and would like some guidance, we'd be honored to pray with you. We'd be honored to help you. You can reach out to us at Know the Truth by calling 644 8811, or by emailing us at info at ktt.org. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and get you set up with some really great resources to help guide you in your new journey of faith and life in Jesus Christ. And if you don't think you're ready, or you have some unanswered questions, we'd be happy to help you and talk those issues through with you and provide you with some helpful resources for your questions. Just give us a call at 888 or email us at info at ktt.org. Thank you, Philip. I'll give that information again. The phone is 888-644-8811 or email us at info at ktt.org. 
And if you'd like to help us in this work of sharing the gospel with others, give a gift of any amount today. When you do, you'll receive the book, Seasons of Sorrow. Whether you're working through a season of sorrow or comforting others in theirs, this book will be an encouragement. And when your gift is $40 or more, you'll also receive the Psalms of Trust personal devotional booklet, along with direct online access to the entire Psalms of Trust series. This booklet is filled with sermon notes and study guides for each sermon and will act as a personal guide as you delve into the series. And just a reminder, today is the last day these resources are available. So call right now. That's 888-644-8811 or online ktt.org. And if you're new to Know the Truth, welcome. We want to give you a free copy of Philip's new devotional booklet titled Resting in God's Faithfulness, just for reaching out to us. Request your copy online at ktt.org or again call 888-644-8811. I'm Wayne Shepherd. We're glad you joined us today for the start of our study in Revelation. Thursday, we'll continue our series with Philip DeCourcy right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.